hello and welcome back to Sports Weeksly. I'm here joined by my cousin Tyler Weeks. And oh man. Uh, you know, I I'm not looking forward to talking to reliving this game. Yeah. I'm really not. Well, you even have to relive it a little bit more because oh. I wasn't there. You were. Oh. So you got to experience it firsthand. I just I got to flip on the Troy App State game in the third quarter, so I had that luxury. Yeah, I had to walk out through the sea of black there in Oregon and yeah, and get out of there. Ugh. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, speaking of like the Troy App State game, normally like, in the past couple of weeks we've talked about a lot of exciting games that's gone around the country in college football. Not really exciting this week. I mean, Nothing. it's pretty much status quo for most of the games. I mean, there were a couple close ones. In, in terms of like teams that shouldn't have been that close or games that shouldn't have been that close, but nothing big upsets wise. Like we don't we didn't have App State beating Texas A and M. Nothing even close to that. So I mean, but App State, of course, they they're still in the news in week three with the way they have their hail mary walk off win against their rival Troy. But yeah, pretty just status quo during this weekend. Yeah, I don't know if App State even knows how to not play in a close game. Like you look at. <laughs> Week one against North Carolina, how it goes down to possibly two onside kicks. And, and then you got last week with AM, and then you have the incredible Hail Mary, you know, just just getting lucky that it bounced off right into the receiver's oh, hands yeah. and able to hit the corner and beat Troy. You know, it's it's really – it's I don't know that they can play a, 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 a blowout game. No, I, I don't know who their opponent is for next week, but I feel like you, you just got to bet on – Whatever team it is to cover, probably, because it's going to be a close one. If if they're not playing a team, if if they're not favored, then you got to pick App State to cover. But if App State's favored, clearly you have to pick the other team to cover. Yeah. So App State is favored eight points, and they're playing the newcomer in James Madison, the ones that just got promoted from FCS. And James Madison's two and zero, and I mean they were they On were the come up. They were perennial um, playoff. A perennial playoff team in the FCS, so yeah. I don't know. I don't know if Appalachian's one of those teams that I always considered BYU, where it's like, yeah, they'll play to the level of their opponent. You know, is that is that going to be who they are this year? I don't know. I like Chase Bryce, but I mean, there's a reason he's in the Sun Belt and not he wasn't able to compete at Clemson. Yeah, one one team that is is Old Dominion in the Sun Belt as well. Like, I do they do they play App State? So. Because yes. if they are. Then I'm telling everybody now, if you're if you're betting, pick Old Dominion to cover that game. Oh, they, they should have beat Virginia. I'm sorry, especially after Old Dominion has this like mascot dog or or some some sort of dog, and then Virginia banned the dog from being at the game. Wow. And and so everybody was like Old Dominion Dominion by a hundred, like <laughs> just hoping, hoping Virginia <laughs> loses. But yeah, the Sun Belt. I, I I never imagined that we would talk about the Sun Belt as much as we have in, for the first four weeks of the show well yeah i mean you've got um app state's doing great georgia state's been been playing pretty well georgia southern knocked off nebraska granted nebraska has turned out to be nothing i mean it was crazy <laughs> we're sitting there in the hotel and noticed that uh nebraska went up seven nothing on oklahoma it was just like oh hey maybe they'll actually like like i don't i don't expect them to win but maybe they'll be in like somewhat of a dog fight here that was not the case it took Oklahoma zero time to be like, yeah, we can't have this happen again. And then Nebraska never scored again. Yeah. So. I mean, the the biggest miss uh, for this upcoming weekend 
is that college day, game day is not going to Kansas, who is three and zero. I know that's incredible. I mean, Kansas isn't three and zero. Kentucky's three and zero and ranked in the top ten. Yeah. Uh, Duke's three and zero, and North Carolina's three and zero. So all the basketball schools are suddenly undefeated in football. And there was this graphic. It was like twenty twenty two college football season and showed all of them it's like if you squint really hard you can kind of see cbb instead of cfb (laughs) and it makes more sense (laughs) yeah no kidding but yeah yeah. i mean that's crazy that some of these some of these like known basketball schools are are looking better hey i'm I'm happy for kansas that's our that's our future big 12 that that is our big 12 brother yeah exactly but yeah i mean besides that nothing really of note for games outside of our opponents. So just looking at some scores from the our, our upcoming opponents. Our opponent for this week, Wyoming, they beat Air Force 17 to 14. Barn burner there. Yeah. For sure. Uh, Utah State did not play. They play UNLV this upcoming weekend. Which is probably good for them. They probably like, hey, we can't we can't lose this week, which is which is a big plus. At, at first I didn't see that they played. I'm like, did they just like get so demoralized they canceled <laughs> their game after losing to Weber? Um <laughs> Notre Dame, they had a close game against Cal, which, I mean, I feel like we're starting to see the true identity of this Notre Dame team mm-hmm. uh, through a few games. I thought Cal was going to be a real uh, like test of, okay, are they good Notre Dame like they were against, or what we thought they were against Ohio State, or are they a team against Marshall? I think they're still somewhere in the middle, but they're closer to the team that played Marshall. I don't think that they're close to competing against Ohio State like they were. And I don't know if you saw the video of I don't, it's their offensive coordinator chewing out the uh, quarterback, Drew Pine, on, uh-huh. on the telephone. Oh, like, like, I did like you see can just that. See- <laughs> Oh my heavens! It's like, like, do your effing job. What was amazing? Counting on is like Pine is sitting there. He seems really calm, right? I mean, he's just sitting there, just just standing there, no problem. And then all of a sudden, the camera cuts to the OC, and he is lighting into him. I could not believe that he was just screaming at him. Pine's just sitting there, like, uh huh, yeah, uh huh, uh huh. Yeah, and I mean, with with Cal, I get it. It's a Power Five opponent, but you would think that if Notre Dame was a true like really good team that they should be able to beat Cal pretty handedly. It took until the sometime in the fourth quarter them for them to finally take the lead 24 to 17. That's what they yeah. end up winning. Um, Arkansas, another close game against an FCS opponent, Missouri state. They only won 38 to 27. And like you said, before we started recording, I didn't even realize it. Yeah. Missouri state was up 24 to what? 17 going into the fourth quarter. Yeah. So that's pretty nuts. Yeah, absolutely. And you got Missouri State over there with the former Ute and former Aggie and Jason Shelley. And it looks like he's been playing well, but uh, that's that's no excuse for Arkansas. I right. mean, it, it's, it's the same as Notre Dame, right? Like, they had no excuse to be that behind, especially when Marshall in this week goes to, I, I can't remember if it was two overtimes, three overtimes against Bowling Green, and Bowling Green ends up winning. And And, and I get, like, the 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 win hangover type of thing but now that we're seeing who notre dame is it's like wow this it's really not as impressive as we thought it was of a win i don't know but yeah missouri state played them really well and you know i i love a good a good upset although i will say that arkansas team i would like them to be coming in with a lot of pressure on them coming into Provo. Yeah. That's that's how I want them coming into Provo, and I want that to be an eight fifteen game. 
Yeah, me too. I, I don't want it to be an afternoon game. Yeah. When I think of afternoon games in recent memory, I think of like that Washington game from what 2018 or yeah. 2019, yeah. and then I think to the Wisconsin game in 2017. Mm-hmm. Just afternoon games against granted that 2017 team. Well, yeah. Had we even hindsight, played 8:15, yeah, no, we we would have lost hi- big time either. Yeah, way. hindsight 2017, not good. <laughs> but like even the Washington game in 2019. I mean, that was just a bad game overall, but yeah. it's, it's playing in the afternoon against those types of opponents. It's like night games are better in that environment. Yeah, absolutely. So, if, if you're having someone come in like, like a P5, I'd like to have a nighttime game. The only time I want an afternoon game is if we're playing Utah Tech. Utah Dick. That's, or yeah. SUU or Idaho State or right. whatever FCS team we're going to bring in. Yeah, so. exactly. Um, and a few more games. East Carolina, they beat FCS Campbell. I don't even know who that is. They beat them forty-nine to ten. Okay. Um, Boise beat Tennessee Martin thirty to seven. Another Ooh, FCS team. A lot of FCS teams this week. Powerhouses. Yes. Uh, Utah Tech lost to Weber State forty-four to fourteen. So you don't know, feel bad, Utah State. You're not the only in-state school to yeah. lose to Weber. Yeah, I know. It's crazy to think that uh, Weber State might be the third best team in Utah. Hey, that's just because the Utes are afraid to schedule. That's yeah, what. That's, 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 <laughs> Well, I mean, even that, I think it was it last year that they played Weber State? Like, I think so. Weber State, like, played them tough. It was a, yeah, it was a solid game. I mean, for an SVS opponent, it was a solid game. Yeah, and so, I don't know. I, I'll i become a, a Weber State fan. Yeah. I'm all for the Wildcats. For sure. I'm all for it. For sure. That's my FCS team. Yeah. Uh, and then Stanford, they didn't play either. So, oh, yeah. Utah State and Stanford didn't have games. Gotcha. But, yeah, as far as opponents go, a couple close games against some of them, but... I mean, there was a lot of SCS opponents this week, and I feel like that was a lot of college football as well, and that will continue into this week before everybody gets into their conference schedules too. Yeah, and we're starting to see the identity of some of these teams, which is good. Um, I'm curious to see how Utah State plays this week, uh, see if they can figure it out. Because, I mean, the one thing that Blake Anderson kept bringing up was just like, this is the quarterback that took us to a Mountain West championship, and it's like, that's great. <laughs> but I had a quarterback in 2010 who looked like he was going to be the future of BYU football, that he was slinging it really well. He took Utah down to the wire. Like, it looked like it was going to be great, and then came out in 2011 and got benched for Riley Nelson. You know? You could also say the same thing in 2015. We had a quarterback that we thought was going to be the future. Yeah. He got benched in 2018 for Zach Wilson. Yeah. No, that's that's <laughs> true. Like, like for one person to have a good season, it's all about what comes after that. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see what happens with, with some of those teams. So, oh, do we want to get into this? I mean, now we kind of have to. We're, yeah. We'd be avoiding it otherwise. Yeah. I Okay, let me tell you some of my experience. I'll, let me let me run through my game day experience. Yeah, before we talk about the game. Yeah, let's... let me run into this. So, you know, we fly in on Friday night. I'm flying to Portland. We stay in Portland because we were flying out from on Sunday. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, no problem. Portland's far enough away from Eugene. Really, no one cares up towards Portland. Uh, and then we drive down, um, get to uh, the Valley River Center, which is a big mall, and they have shuttles there. So we jump on the shuttle. We haven't heard anything from Oregon fans. Uh, we show up, uh, go to Autzen. 
and at their indoor practice facility, they got a huge like bash going on. I mean, it's crazy. You got a place where you can get food, you can get drinks. They got like bouncy houses. It's like what's outside of Lavalador Stadium before a game, but in their IPF. So it was actually really cool. Uh-huh. And so we got to walk in there and kind of look at it. Uh, and this Oregon fan comes up to us and just says, "Hey, thanks for coming out to to Eugene. Thanks for coming all the way out here. Like, like we really appreciate it." And she's like, "Wow, okay, these fans are pretty good. Like, this will be good." Don't really hear anything else. We get to our seats. We're sitting down. Um, you know, BYU has a huge play at the, their first play. Throw it to Chase Roberts. Back shoulder. Chase makes a great adjustment. That drive stalls out. You know, turn it over on downs. And then Oregon goes down and scores. And then they go and score again. And, and then it starts getting pretty ugly. Mm-hmm. Some of these fans, especially as the time's going on, the fans are... Starting to get some alcohol in him. Yeah. Um, we got this guy in with just this Wisconsin gear. <laughs> Made no sense. <laughs> and I, I overheard him talking to an Oregon fan. And he's just like, why are you? Like, the Oregon fan was like, what's up with the Wisconsin gear? He's like, oh, I just moved here. Just wanted to come to a game. And then later on, BYU scores the touchdown, make it 10-7. And that Wisconsin fan sitting there turning around, just being like, "You're still down three. You're still down three. I was like, "I was like, dude, we 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 beat you guys in 2018." Yeah. And then uh, Colton starts talking. He goes, "Oh yeah, how's how was that uh, Washington State game?" And started really <laughs> screwing these. And then the guy goes, "Well, I'm more of a Pac-12 fan." I'm like, "Well, you're really showing it with all your <laughs> with all your Big Ten Wisconsin gear, right?" Um, and then you know, Oregon really started turning on the Jets and. That's when, you know, fans are getting worse, and we decide part through the third quarter. We're done with this. I, I, we don't want to sit here. BYU doesn't look anywhere ready to play. Like, this is the, – the crazy thing about Autzen is that field is – it feels really small. Uh-huh. Like, it's really compacted in there, and so the fans are, like, right on top of you. And and so, yeah, third quarter, we decided to just leave – as we're walking out, you know, we're hearing Oregon fans, why is all the blue going home? And got other guys yelling at us like, oh, come on, you guys are leaving right now? And got to the point that, you know, my brother had some choice words for one of the guys and actually flipped the guy off. And he's just like, no, 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 I'm just kidding. We want you to beat Notre Dame. And it was just like, dude, shut up. Like, get out of our face. Was the brother Devin? No. Oh, it was, it was Colton. Colton. For some reason, I just thought that was a Devin thing. No, that's Colton. <laughs> Um, and then as we're walking out, cause like I can, you know, I can deal with classless fans. There's classless fans everywhere. Right. We're walking out the event staff, the guy that like scanned our tickets to come in as we're walking out, he goes, guys are heading home early. The game just started getting good. And it was like, who, who are you to talk this way? Right. Like you're employed by the school and you're going to be a jack wagon to us. Uh-huh. You know, and so, and what's funny is like the rest of them were all kind of laughing except for one of the event staff guys, which I'll give, I'll give credit to him because as, as we're walking out, he's like, wow, real classy guys, really classy. And the, that one guy was just like, Hey, I'm sorry. And then, you know, we leave, we go to where the shuttles are going to be. Cause the guy told us, he said, yeah, shuttles start running around halftime. Perfect. So we go and we see all the shuttles lined up. So we go ahead and talk to a guy. He's just like, Oh Yeah. We have three or four shuttles that go at halftime, at the end of halftime, and then we don't run any shuttles until the end of the game. So we're like, we have to 
sit here for the end of the game? And the guy was like, well, because we were wondering, like, is there a place that we can catch an Uber? What's going on here? Mm -hmm. He goes, oh, well, if you want, there's a place down the street and you can sit there and get a drink and, and, and wait until the shuttles run. <laughs> like, cool. And so we, we had heard that there's, you can walk along the river. That'll take you right back to the Valley River Center. So we, rock, we walked two miles to get back to our car. Um, and meanwhile, Devin's got Greg Rubel in his ear. Just kind of want to hear what's going on. And yeah, you hear Greg Rubel talking about, well, at least we're getting a $1.1 million payout. And well, it's not like, cause after, after Oregon put in their backup quarterback and throws the interception and BYU goes down and scores. And, um, I think they get to 20 or something like that. Like 30, was it 38, 20, 41, 20. Well, that was the fall, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. but it was 38, 20 after 20, that yeah, touchdown. Yeah. And you know, Greg, Greg Rubel, just all of a sudden, you know, it's not, it's not impossible to do this. It's like, Greg, Greg, it's impossible. Listen, I, 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 I want to be as optimistic as anybody, but right. I, I know when the game's over. Right. Absolutely. And so, yeah, then we, we got back and then we knew it was bad right when Bo Nix came back in. Cause we were like, eh, well, here comes their game manager. Like right. they're not trusting this, this backup anymore. Like they're done. Like mm -hmm. they want to just get out of this game and be done. And, and yeah, so that was our game day experience. We, we drove home on the way home. We had a Nike outlet. Um, nothing, nothing too crazy there. And then got back to the hotel, dropped off some stuff and went to a Mexican restaurant that night to drown our sorrows in chips and salsa. <laughs> and then, and then, yeah, went to bed, woke up the next morning pretty early and jumped on a plane, had a nice four hour layover in San Jose and then finally got home. Well, I couldn't believe whenever you texted me that you guys had left and you, I asked what you guys were doing. At that point, I thought enough time had like passed where you were probably like back in your car and going to head somewhere. And then you said, oh, we're, we're on our two-mile walk to our car. I was like, That's right. where did you park? Yeah. <laughs> I didn't realize well, you had to take sh you took a shuttle to the game. Right. Well, parking around Otson is horrible. And so, yeah, we just we thought like, oh, someone had told us about this and there was a shuttle. And the fact that the, the shuttle driver said like, oh, yeah, they start running at halftime. Like, okay, sweet. That way we know like worst case scenario, we'll stick around until halftime and then, and then jump on the shuttle. No. Apparently not. Apparently they, they run three or four shuttles <laughs> at the end of halftime and then don't run anymore until the end of the game. How, how many students were actually there by your estimate? Because I know you had mentioned to me like the classes didn't start for another like yeah, week classes, and a half. Classes don't start until the 27th. <laughs> so what, like, there was, was, there, was there quite there a was bit still there? still a fair amount of students there. Um, I don't know if they're all just local. I don't know, I don't know what the demographic is there, but there was... There was actually quite a fair amount of students. I think they filled up um, one or two sections. Like, right? Yeah. Like well, it, it didn't. It wasn't like it wasn't like the rock where you felt like everything was. Just, everyone was just like you know two or three to a seat. Uh huh. Like it's, it felt like one to a seat, but it, it was still a, a decent turnout for the students. Yeah, I mean, I they, imagine there's a lot of local ones. So. Yeah, and they weren't. I, I mean, they weren't super loud or anything like that. But when you're in such a compressed place like that, like everything just sounds loud. Yeah. Is it shaped funny? Because, I mean, I've only seen it, like, on TV, but then I looked like an overhead view of it, and it's just, like, kind of elongated on one side. Yeah, it's kind of like a wave. Like, it, it's kind of odd. Yeah. Um, I really, I'm not impressed with Otson at all. I've been to a lot of college football stadiums. And I've been to some pro stadiums, too. 
um, I was not really impressed with Odson. The only thing that makes it menacing is how how compressed it is. Because uh, I mean, I think what they've got fifty five thousand is their capacity or something like that. Oh, that's it. Yeah. Wow. I know. I know it's less than BYU for sure. That's surprising to me. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I. Surprised that Nike money hasn't really kicked in on the stadium. Yeah, I. I don't know. Well, then again, they couldn't even sell out this game. No, they couldn't. And this is a you know number twelve team coming to your, coming to your your town. And so as far as the game day atmosphere and and the fans and stuff like that, like I can promise you, I will never go back up to Odson. It was horrible. Yeah. Well, I mean, everybody's probably seen the video by now. Oh yeah. Uh, the we were we were gone by the time that had happened. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, like, the whole F the Mormons thing, like... Awful. I I just... First off, I'm not really one to, like, heckle an opposing team at all. But I feel like there's certain lines that are drawn. Right. And a lot of people just ignore them. Right. Well, I think about, like, my dad, he never took us up to uh, Wyoming growing up. We finally went when I was... I don't know. I was I was fourteen, fifteen, something like that. Uh, by the time my dad knew that, like I had heard every word in the book, and you know, I was going to middle school <laughs> and high school, and it's not going to be a shock. The, and yeah, exactly. Because one big thing that you know Wyoming fans always did is they chanted "F U B Y U," right? And something like that. It's like, yeah, that's probably like towing the line, but like it's not crossing the line. It's like, like... It, at least you're like saying something about my team, right? Exactly, but. That chant in Oregon, and it wasn't the whole student section. It was just a pocket of students. Yeah, it was just specific ones. But the whole F the Mormons, I mean, the only time I have ever heard that other than other than Oregon, which, I mean, like I said, I wasn't there to hear it at Oregon other than the video. I heard that from LSU fans when we played them in 2017. And there's there's certain, like I said, there's now there's certain fan bases. They can't lose enough, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. You know. For me, it's Utah, LSU, and I'm adding Oregon to that list because it's like you've you've crossed a line that you can't just uncross. You can't yeah. just be like, "Oh yeah, our bad." Like, like it's like, sorry, that's done, that's over. Yeah, and you've like it's it's a form of religious persecution here, and I don't know. It's it, it was pretty pretty shocking to actually see that that it happened. Yeah, and, and I mean. I'm glad that Oregon came out and like issued a public apology and everything. And I respect Mm -hmm. that and everything like the university that did that. But it seemed like on a national perspective or just really media perspective, nobody cared. Like it was not a big deal whatsoever. Nope. But, and like, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but it's like, I know. And especially after what had happened at BYU a few weeks ago, Mm Mm-hmm. I know if that happened the week before at Baylor and BYU fans were chanting F the Baptist or F the Muslim, anything along those lines, that it would be national news. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it it is what it is. I mean, as as fans, we just have to move past it and always hate the Ducks. (laughs) Always hate the Ducks. In my opinion. I I never thought about hating Oregon now, but, I mean, that – that soured me, and I mean, oh, yeah. the game. I wouldn't. I would not have mattered the ga- the outcome of the game whatsoever. Yeah, that would not have changed my opinion. Sure, but that whole experience did. 
Yeah. And I do respect like I like on I was on Twitter and looking at a lot of like a lot of Oregon fans like felt terrible that that was happening too. Right. So it's like not the whole entire fan base. It's just a few select dumb students that were chanting it for whatever reason. But we'll finish with that. Was just like say whatever you want about my team. Just don't attack me or my religion personally. Yeah. Absolutely. So yeah, so, uh, but now we can as, talk about the game. Yeah, let's, let's get into the, <laughs> the game. other fun part. Uh, the fun man. part about this, you know, I, I I went into this game. You know, we put our predictions out there. I thought we were going to lose by ten. I just thought it was going to be a little closer of a battle, a little more competitive. Yeah, especially I, out of the gate. Yeah, well, <laughs> and it looked like it was going to be that yeah. first play. Oh my gosh, I felt great. I was like, sweet, we're coming out, we're slinging the ball. And I felt like I feel like I knew right when we tried running the ball and couldn't do anything after like three rushes. That's when I felt like I knew I was like, this is gonna be a long game mm-hmm. if we can't rush the ball. Yeah, against these guys. Because the thing is, like these guys, like it's not it's not world class like Baylor. Yes, are they are they a better defensive line? Sure, but they're not world class. Yeah, you know? Baylor is still the best defensive line that BYU was going to play. Yeah, the only thing that advantage-wise, at least defensively, that Baylor had over or BYU, not BYU or Baylor, Oregon had over Baylor is their linebackers. Yeah, um, well, and I tell you, watching Noah Sewell in action, man, the guy is unreal. Yeah, I mean, he is just quick. The fact that when he was recruited to go to Oregon. It was like, hey, you're probably going to move to the defensive line. And be like, okay, cool. And then they realized, oh, you run a 4-6? Yeah, you can stay at linebacker with that size. That's fine. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And, but I agree. I mean, seeing the way that they were running the ball is like, it's more the same, except we're not going to be able to stop them as much. Yeah. That, that was the problem. Yeah. And also on that first drive, it drives me nuts whenever I play – if it's especially you're going for it on fourth down and you oh. don't throw to the sticks, but yeah. to throw behind the line of scrimmage that drove me nuts. Well, I was pissed off. So we're sitting there, uh, you know, because it was a third and ten going into that fourth down, and we figured, okay, we're probably in no man's land. Chances are they're they're gonna go for it here. I turned to Colton. I said, "Why do I get this eerie feeling that this is a run?" And sure enough, <laughs> hand it off to Chris Brooks and get two yards, and I was like, "Great." Instead of trying to throw it twice, and at that point you don't have to run to the sticks. Like if you know you're going for it on fourth, yeah, just get a quick, just get a quick hitter. But it was just I I could not believe that our vaunted offensive line. One thing I will say, pass pro, they are incredible. They're really good. Jaron doesn't doesn't run for his life, mm-hmm. and that's awesome. But you can't get a push at all, and it doesn't matter what defensive unit is out there. Yeah. Like, that's the frustrating part to me. It's like, these guys are swapping out their defensive linemen, and you still can't get a push. Well, I mean, we saw, and, and granted, I mean, it was South Florida, so they got a little bit more of a push. But mm-hmm. even against South Florida, it took them a while to, like, really figure out the blocking yeah. schemes for the run game. Yeah. And it was a continuation of that into Baylor. And Baylor, like I said, best defensive line they're probably going to see all season. And then Oregon, even though they're they're not Baylor, they're still a really good defensive line unit. I mean, these are, these are like four-star guys across right. the board. Right. So they, they are really good athletes. It's going to be really tough, but that was kind of disappointing in back-to-back weeks. I mean, really three weeks, but specifically more back-to-back with these two 
like top 25 power five teams that you couldn't get the push that you were expecting on the offensive line. Cause I mean, we've been raving about the offensive line all off season mm-hmm. going into it. I've been expecting more in the run game and we're just not getting it. I like, I think the problem, part of the problem is not just the, the, the offensive line. I think it's the running backs as well. I mean, mm-hmm. Chris Brooks has not been what I thought he was going to be. You know, it's interesting. First, they, they brought him in. Everyone thought, you know, you remember 2019 when we brought in Tyson Williams and Emmanuel Asupka. Yeah. Like we thought for sure. I was like, oh man, these are going to be great. It's going to be one guy's going to be kind of a kind of more of a shiftier speed back, and the other guy's going to be more of a bowling ball. We all thought Chris Brooks was going to be the Tyson Williams. He's really turned into that Emmanuel Asupka. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's been has, really disappointing. Ex- except the the one thing that I've noticed, and you mentioned about it, we were texting about it, is that you notice, like, why are the Oregon running backs, why do they fall forward? Why yeah. do they get that extra yard or two? They always fall and, forward. But I noticed watching the game from then on out and watching through that specifically, Lopini does a better job of that than Chris Brooks has. Oh, yeah. Lopini has learned to run. Like, I don't, I don't, like, one thing that I will respect Lopini big time is that, like, he's not afraid of contact. He will hit someone if it means he can get a couple more yards. Chris Brooks seems so hesitant. Yeah, and I think to me, and being a Steeler fan, his the way he runs kind of reminds me of like whenever I was a Steeler fan watching Le'Veon Bell. Mm-hmm. He's kind of hesitating to see what the offensive line does. The problem is the offensive line isn't hoping to get pulls for him, and since he's not just getting the ball and running downhill, whenever he's getting to the line of scrimmage or where his offensive line is. He's standing up straight because he's not moving forward with that speed. Right. And so he's not able to even get that push and not able to get that far forward. The defense could just drive him back easily. Yeah. I feel like his best case scenario is just get the ball and hit the hole. Yeah. It doesn't matter if it's open or not. Just go where you're supposed to go and fight for the yards. Well, he doesn't I mean, seem like he can he can run out of the pistol. You know? Yeah. Like I, I feel like he can't. I feel like he's one of those guys where it's like get Jaron under center and let Chris Brooks get some momentum going like because at least at that point you're telling him here's where the hole's supposed to be hit it no matter what just run at that spot yeah i mean even those those third and twos like chris will dance there for a little bit he reminds me of jj de luigi a little bit where he's like mm-hmm. i'm gonna open it up i'm it's gonna happen it's gonna happen it's gonna happen and then it never does yeah and it's like dude you have to at, at some point the timer has to go off in your head and be like if they haven't opened the hole i now have to create one right and he's just not doing that. Yeah, and I don't understand. And like like you said, I was expecting just a power running back. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to hit the hole as hard as I can. If I make it through, great. If I don't, I'm still going to hit it as hard as I can. Yeah. Not stop. Yeah. And it's it's really been frustrating to me. And I think I noticed that, too. It was a, it was a fourth down play, I think. I don't even know if you're still in the stadium for this. but <laughs> <laughs> But he was running out of the pistol and also... That drives me nuts. I cannot stand whenever it is third and short or fourth and short, short, and you want to run a shotgun play, run play when you only have one yard to go. Yeah. I cannot stand that. Just yeah. get in the I formation, put either Mason Wake or Houston High Mooley back there. I mean, you, they don't utilize those guys enough say, in the short even, wrist have run we game. Have you seen Houston? I don't think so. Maybe on special teams I you see, have. But I see him on, on kickoff return. That's it. Yeah. It's I, like, dude, I don't this understand. Dude, this dude is built big. Yeah, he's he's shorter, but man, he is stocky. He's huge. And His, if you want to, if you want to open up a hole, he'll hit it. Like let him try to blaze through one. Yeah, that's the problem I'm seeing a lot. And 
I get it. I'm not. I, I'm not the offensive coordinator. I'm sure Aaron Roderick is a lot smarter than me, but I don't. I've never understood that. And it's not just BYU. So many teams across college football and the NFL, even in high school now too. You are running out of the shotgun on like fourth or third and one. Mm-hmm. Just get in the I formation, have a fullback in there, and open up a hole. Yeah. I, and for how big your your team is, you should be able to get that yard. Yeah. But instead, they ran it out of the pistol. The offensive line got blown up. I remember, was it, I think it was at the time, Campbell Barrington and uh, Suamatai at Kingsley, was, they, they, they got beat by the linebackers, and it, it was a loss of one, and they ended up getting stopped on fourth down. It, it drove me nuts. Yeah. Like, just, just run the ball forward. Yeah. I, and, oh, man. I'm, look, I'm to the point with our running backs, throw in Jackson Muchesney, honestly. Yeah. He's, he at least, like, everyone thinks, that like, you know, yeah, all, all of his runs have kind of been in garbage time, but you think about that USC game last year, without him, we don't win that game, technically. He scored oh, the touchdown. Yeah. That he took the lead. That, that took the lead. Exactly. And it's like, why are we not giving him a shot when we've proven that Chris Brooks can't get it done right now? Yeah. Like at least give me a give me a speed back. Because Peeney's not gonna not gonna blow you away with his speed. Let's say, give me more of Miles Davis. We heard about him all of camp. How 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 he is the fastest person. He's got game changing speed. We've seen him on like what? One jet sweep? Like two carries, maybe this season. Yeah, he's got two carries for negative four yards. I, I mean, I would be willing to at least give somebody like him some more run, and especially in a game like last weekend with how fast Oregon is. Oh yeah. If you wanted to counter speed with speed, you might as well have tried to do it because you weren't going to get it much much of a run anyway with Why Chris not? Brooks in there. Yeah, absolutely. So it, it's it, the run game is driving me nuts right now. Hopefully it gets better moving forward. But as far as the pass, I mean, the rest of the offense goes. I thought Jaron had a solid game. Jaron looked I great. Mean, I mean, he he did what he could. He can't control the run game. He just hands off the ball. So, I mean, yeah. but as far as, like, his reads in the pass game and everything, I, I thought it was good. I thought he had some really good throws, um, like that Chase Roberts one. I think the, t- the touchdown throw to Cody Epps as well, the back shoulder throw, he put it in a nice spot to him. I don't know that I saw that one. I you were we, out of the stadium we for that one. You were out of the stadium. I don't know you if were you were watching at the time. One. But, yeah, Cody Epps got his first touchdown. Also, shout out to Kennedy because she wants me to bring her up whenever <laughs> I talk about Cody Epps. Um, NIL. But, yeah, NIL he, deal. But that's the thing. The, the pass game has not worried me whatsoever. It's just, oh no! But, but these well, two that, two games running game. That first bad. touchdown, it was a thing of beauty. Oh yeah! I tell you what, when the way the play the, drew up, oh, yeah, Isaac was like, just wide open in the middle. Let's fake it out to this guy. Oh, Miles Davis is coming out, and he did a great job of like jumping up and faking that he was going for the ball. Mm-hmm. And Isaac is just walking up the seam by himself. Yeah. It was a beautiful play design. I I hope they utilize stuff like that more. I want I want to see more of our tight ends. We've only really seen our tight ends used. Oh, uh, Holker out in the flat. Holker for five yards. Isaac Rex for six yards. You know, like I, I, w- I would like to see a little more, a little more of that seam route. Mm-hmm. You know, and but yeah, I mean, Jaron made some great plays. Um, I think there was another. So the back shoulder throw to Chase to start the game was great. There was a back shoulder throw to Cody Epps, and Co- it just looked so smooth from Cody. Yeah, I mean, he just turned around, planted his feet, so he knew he was inbounds. And the thing I love about Cody is he catches with his hands. That's yep. one thing that I think Cosper is struggling with. He likes to catch with his body a lot. But Epps is just like, i got to catch with my hands. Like, at least I can catch the ball out here and get it away from the defenders that way. Right. You know? Yeah. So I think, yeah, like you said, passing game's great. And I think it's only going to get better when Puka and Gunner can 
mm-hmm. can go. And it, it, for the, I mean, for the offensive line too, I literally have no complaints in the in pass pro. Oh, I, I, no. I, th- I think they've been great. Jaron hasn't had any issues, and when he does, he's athletic enough to get himself out of situations. Yeah, and I'll, mean, I'll say that's the one thing that I wish he would have done a little bit more in this game mm-hmm. is take off. I, yeah. I understand that you want to keep yourself healthy because we need you throughout the season, but I feel like you can sacrifice that a little bit to run for a first down here or there. Yeah. I, I, I know there are times where he can take off and he can run for a first down or run for more yardage, but I think he just wants to sit in the pocket a little longer and make his reads. Yeah. Whenever, you, in my opinion, take the easy yards. Mm-hmm. Take what they're giving to you. You don't know if that read's going to open up, but if there's green grass in front of you, you can always slide. Just go get the first down. Yeah, absolutely. That's the one thing I think Jaron should just do a little bit more. And it's not even like a complaint. Like he's still playing really well. Yeah. I just, I just, just like if he would be able to be a little more lenient on when he'll let go. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean, offensively, I feel like. You know, Jaron Jaron is a good enough quarterback to be able to put the offense on his shoulders. Mm-hmm. I mean, you saw. I know it was probably in garbage in garbage time, but he was at least able to get down and get two more scores on the board. Uh, he's able to make good throws. Uh, he's making good reads. He's making good decisions. He's not putting the ball in a spot where it's it's going to be in harm's way. Uh, uh, the run game definitely needs needs some work. Our defense, though, this game. Ugh. Complete opposite of last week. It was and one of those things where, it's, and it's such a shame because yeah, we saw literally the high of highs from our defense against Baylor. Yeah, I don't know if I don't know if it was one of those things that Tuyaki got his game ball and you know he got that first trophy case and now he doesn't need <laughs> another one. Like in my mind, it's like build on this momentum defensively. I understand you lost. You lost Mariner and you lost Batty. We should have guys that. But can like step I said, up. that's like a fifth of the defensive linemen you use. Right. I guess it's one of their. It's two of their best ones. But right. still, for how many defensive linemen they rotate into the game, I. And listen, I know, as far as a matchup goes, Baylor's the better matchup. Def- yeah. Like for the defense, yeah. for sure. Something that I noticed is that the speed to the outside. Was just the first guy on defense was not getting him, no. got not getting the ball carry whatsoever. It yeah. had to be the next guy mm-hmm. because they just weren't capable of getting the speed. But the fact that they were getting blown up over the middle, I mean, running up the middle, Oregon was getting five six yards a carry, yep. and it was driving me nuts. I'm like, what is the difference? It, like, is the offensive line blowing you up that much? And something that's different. And granted, I mean, I think Ben Ben Bellwater had a decent game. Max Tully had another some some good plays. But like overall, one thing I noticed from like Baylor to Oregon is that the linebackers weren't filling the gaps like they yeah. were the week before either. Right. And I, I think that I mean that's credit to Oregon's blocking schemes. But also, I just don't think that the defense. I think they came out flat and they just weren't ready to play. And a lot of the problem was. Just missed tackles, keeping your head down, not being able to get off blocks. Like it, in for that, I don't even know how much I can put that on Tuiaki as much as like individual performance. Like yeah. if you're just doing an arm tackle, that that's on you. That's not on your coordinator. Like well, I, I think it's a little bit of both. But like there was a lot going on on the field that is just player performance problems. Yeah, I don't know if some of those players. It seems like right when they hit them, they think they brought them down, and so they'll let go. Yeah, and it's like, what is going on? Play until the whistle. Yeah, and if there's no whistle, make them blow the whistle. You know, like, come on, do something here. 
because these guys they'll they just grab them and then they're like you know they're starting to wrestle them down and then they just stop and it's like what's going on just because you're on the ground doesn't mean that they're on the ground yeah and and i don't you know one thing i've i've hated about byu's tackling probably since it's the inception of the school is (laughs) is every time we tackle we seem to grab them roll them over our body and then throw them forward so they're gaining another another yard yards and it's like why are you doing this like it seems like every time you're like okay i'll lay down so then he steps on me and then i can grab him and you know he'll be off off balance and then yeah that'll be great and it's like hey no like third and one that's the difference right there is him landing on your body and just going right in right no yeah it was that that was driving me nuts because i look at the first few drives of oregon and a lot of those plays shouldn't have been as big as they were they were just missed assignments Mm -hmm. they were arm tackles they were keeping your head down and not seeing where the ball carrier was and a lot of people just couldn't get off their blocks yeah it, it it was it was really just frustrating to watch because I'm like looking at it, especially their first drive for a touchdown. I know they broke a big run on like they were getting towards the red zone, and there was a missed tackle. It should have been like a two yard gain. It ended up being like an eighteen yard gain, and mm-hmm. like that's it, it, just so frustrating to watch. Yeah, well, to to watch them break out of arm tackles two or three times on the same play, that's when it gets really bad. When you see them. He hit a linebacker. The linebacker tried to get him, and then he just kind of squeezes out. And then the safety tries to hit him, and he just squeezes out. And then Malik Moore is sitting there trying to chase the guy down just to push him out of bounds. Right. It's 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 just been frustrating to see um, just how how different of a team it seemed like from last week. Because I I was you know I was finally seeing like Tuiaki was like oh yeah well, yeah well no we finally got the right players, you know I I was watching the. I don't know if it was Bo Nix's second or third rushing touchdown, but I think it was just a zone read, fakes the handoff, and I saw that Bo still had the ball because it was right in our end zone. And I see, I was like, yeah, the running back just hit the hole. Yeah, no, he doesn't have the ball. I think this is his second touchdown yeah, that and you're you describing. See, you see Bo there with the ball, and Mangelson is staring at him. Mm-hmm. But Mangelson stares at him, and then goes trying to tackle the running back. And it's like, dude, your assignment, your assignment is to hit Bo. Yeah. I don't care that you're on, that they're on the three-yard line. I don't care. I don't care what's going on. I don't care if the running back makes it in and you could have made a play. Your assignment is to hit Bo. At least make sure he doesn't have the ball. Because in a time that he does have the ball, he's just going to walk in behind you. And he just dove right in, like Mangelson, like was like, "Whoops, my bad." And by the time he turned around, Bo Nix was in the end zone, and it was like, "Really, dude? Like, right. you, come on! Like, this is assignment. Like you said, missed assignments." And that was one of those things where it's like, "You, you are on the quarterback. Why are you not hitting him at least?" Yeah, I mean, in that circumstance, you're not supposed to deviate from your assignment, right? Even if he doesn't have the ball, you're running at the quarterback. Yeah. It, 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 yeah. And you, you hold up right when you know for certain he doesn't have the ball. And that's another thing. Run at the players. That's another thing that I've noticed. And it's not standing just there B- waiting for them yeah. to come. And it's not just BYU, too. It is so many, and across the board at all levels of football. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know if it's just how they're trained to play now or well it's not everybody because I know that some really good ones don't do it but a lot of DBs a lot of linebackers they just wait for the ball carrier to come to them yeah attack the ball carrier yeah, I don't know I don't know how much of it is fear of a potential targeting but it's one of those things where it's like you need to understand the difference between a running player and a defenseless player yeah you know what I mean yeah don't torpedo yourself at a guy if he's going up for a ball. But if he, if he was handed the ball, he is a runner. He's not a defenseless player. He's a runner. Mm-hmm. Go hit him. There are there like the rule the rule becomes a lot less stringent on targeting. Yeah. And if you know how to tackle, it's not going to be an issue. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. these guys have been playing football for years and I I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, last aspect of the game to talk about, oh, special teams. I don't <sighs> look. The I will give one thing. I will say that Ed Lamb figured out this week was just kick it through the end zone. Don't give <laughs> these guys a chance to return it. Don't even test their speed. He, he did a great job of realizing, hey, these guys are a little bit faster than than us. Let's just kick this through the end zone. Now I don't know what he's done to Rico and to Jake. But there is something going on. Rico, who used to bomb punts, is now struggling to get the ball forty yards. And, and when it's he flat. when he does, yeah, it's it's more of like a line drive to get there. And it's like, what happened to you? Like you used to be able to boot this thing. Is is is, is that something? Is it confidence related? I don't know. And then Jake, it's concerning when he's now missed a, a field goal less than forty yards. From the left, middle, and right hashes, and he's got it's gotten to the point where it's like, Jake, if you can't if you can't figure this out, we will move to Justin Smith. Yeah, because the thing is, in warmups, Jake boots him. He's still hitting sixty yarders in warmups, but right when he's in a game, it's in his head so much. I don't know. Like I said, I don't know if it goes back to that Baylor game. I don't know if it goes to before that. I don't know what's going on, but. I feel like, honestly, I feel like he might be done mentally. Yeah. I think he knows this is his last year, and I think he's, I think he's, he knows, like, well, I'm not going to the league. But it's, it's sad to see someone who, you know, he was a guy that, that was like, yeah, automatic, 100%. I don't worry about the kicking game anymore. Mm-hmm. I used to worry when Red Almond was trotting himself <laughs> out there. I would worry about PATs with Red Almond. Right. But now with with Jake, it was like it used to be sweet. At least I know the PATs are going in for the most part. I know that that he he can step up and make a field goal. I don't know what's going on with him. I mean, kicking is such a mental thing. Yeah, it, it's one of those positions in 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 all sports. I feel like there's there's like a couple positions like in hockey, goaltending is such a mental position. I feel mm-hmm. like, and I think it's the same thing with kicking in football. And once you get the miss and you lose that confidence, your your swing is off. The leg swing is off. I mean, right. and and you will pull it, you'll push it, and you'll you'll be overcompensating, overthinking it mm-hmm. while you're winding up for the kick. There's a lot of things that can happen, and I don't know. Like for the for example, the the one that was in regulation against Baylor to win it at the end of the game. I don't know that that was anything more than just he just flat out missed the kick. Yeah, it, it, is, it, it is what it is. But then the one in overtime 
I can see how that could be mental. Like I need to make this again. He's overcompensating and then he misses again. Same thing with Oregon. It's like, I've missed two field goals in a row to this point. I can't miss this one. Mentally, I just don't. I think he's still thinking like I can't miss, and that's what's causing him to miss. Yeah. But as a kicker, you can't do that. You mm-hmm. literally just have to forget about it. Mm-hmm. Like you, you never missed a field goal. And so, I mean, he's still my kicker going into Wyoming. But if if against Wyoming he misses his first field goal, if we attempt one, I I am not going to wait long to go to Justin Smith. Right. Uh, you can't. If, if you're going to keep missing, that would be four in a row at that point if he misses another field goal. Mm-hmm. You can't afford to do that moving forward. Right. A lot of times, field goals are going to win you games. They, they could have against Baylor. And not to say that, that that made field goal would have made a difference in this game ultimately, but instead of Oregon getting the ball and then going down and scoring a touchdown to make it 17-7, to seven, it would have been seven or it would have been 10-10 ten at that point. So that's a completely different game. I mean, you you gotta make that kick, and if you can't mentally do that, well, it was it was such a momentum shift, like well, not a momentum shift necessarily, but it was just one of those things where we were going to be able to keep it in within a one score game. It demoralizes you, and it was one of those th- to like, see that to, to have the offense march down, and then yeah, we stall out. But it's like yeah, let's get points on the board, and you know, I it's to the point now. Uh, what's Kalani going to do on fourth downs? Is he going to get to the point where he's just like, I'd rather take our chances with our offense? I mean, that's the thing. That was, what, a 39-yard field goal? Uh-huh. If if you're a D1 kicker, that should be close to automatic. Mm-hmm. Especially Jake. We've yeah. seen him do it. Yeah, I, That that should be pretty close to automatic, and it's just a shame that it's not. I just don't think they can afford to wait any longer. If he misses, if they attempt a field goal on Saturday against Wyoming and he misses it, I think that's got to be it. Yeah. Until you see otherwise, you just got to go to Justin Smith. Yeah, you, you can't afford well, it. Well, like I said, I I also I you know I it's no secret on Ed Lamb. I'm not the biggest fan of Ed Lamb. I don't know that a lot of BYU fans are, and I don't know if if he plays into it. You know, because you see Skylar Southam was such an amazing kicker in high school, and he gets to BYU and he struggles a lot. Mm-hmm. Jake Oldroyd, right when he kind of starts struggling, all of a sudden things seem to be getting worse. Is our special teams coordinator a factor in that is is he part of the issue me personally i believe so like i don't know if he's just like well jake you can't miss this one next and it's like yeah that's great to say to him yeah whereas you know with that with that last drive that byu had at the end of that game i i honestly if i were kalani if i were they should have tried him out i'd have just said look you need to go out here there is zero pressure behind this kick we're not going to win this game it doesn't matter. Just go kick the ball. You know what I mean? See mm-hmm. if he can make it. Because then if he misses it, you don't have to play this what-if game. You play Justin Smith all of Wyoming and see what he does. Right. And, But, I mean, I get trying to go for points, but at the same time it's like, Kalani, we don't have a 21-point play here. The bigger moral victory would have been seeing Jake kick it through the uprights. Mm-hmm. And it Especially for him it, individually. Well, for him, for the fans, for the team – it would have brought it would have brought an air of confidence yeah back into that whereas now BYU fans everywhere are like i don't know that i can trust him on a field goal yeah and it's it's sad i don't like cuz the hard part is is like you can't really practice game time field goal situations mm. you can't be in practice and be like okay if you make this 
we don't have to run. Like that's it's not near the same pressure. Right. Like it's just like okay. I mean, like you said, we just pre-game, run. he can make them. Oh yeah, but he, in a game situation, him. that that anxiety that you're gonna get that's that's something that you can't replicate in the practice. Well, I saw Jake when he came out after halftime. He went or during halftime, he went straight to the spot where he missed the field goal, and I saw him make three in a row right down the middle. Yeah. That, and then that's, went, that's where it's got to be a mental well, thing. And then he went over to the other side, where roughly kind of where he missed at, at Baylor, mm-hmm. and made two of those. And I'm like, what? What is going on? Like, that, I don't. That, that, it, it's got to be mental. Because the thing is, like, in, in, I started really watching since I listened to Pat McAfee. I love his show. Yeah. Uh, I watched really closely to the holder, and and the snap just to see like, is it a high snap? What's going on? Everything else is perfect. No, like, laces are out and everything. It's just Jake, Jake, I think at Baylor, he was just like, he just pushed the one to the left. And so at Oregon, he was like, okay, I'm I'm hitting a little left right now. So maybe maybe let's hit it down the middle. And sure enough, he hit it. He hit it true. It went straight down the middle, but we were yeah. on the right hash. Right. And I don't know. It's It's a tough situation. Like I said, even Rico's been struggling. Yeah, it's not just Jake too. Yeah, it, and that's why I think like special what is, teams overall in the year. Like yeah, you said, what is the, Lamb doing? Like you said, the, the, they did a good thing of kicking it through the end zone. Mm-hmm. But besides that, special teams in every single game at some point in the game has been a problem. Yep. And I mean, it kind of kind just points back to one guy. <laughs> yeah, I know. And I don't want to be a hater, but I'm a hater. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hopefully, you know, if he. I'd love for him to be able to pick up some sort of other job and get out. I think that's the only way he's out. Right? Hey, Kalani will never fire him. Maybe Utah State will open up. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> I hope they don't move on from Blake Anderson that fast, but, you know. But you lost to Weber. You did. <laughs> you did lose to Weber. All right. I mean, okay, as far as grades go, we, we've been giving grades for each of the each of the groups each game. So, let's. I, we're talking about special teams a lot. Let's just start there. Yeah. I'm giving him a D, honestly. D. The only reason it's not an F is because you kicked, you through, kicked the it through the end zone. That, yep. is, that is literally the only reason. I will say, I do feel a lot more confident with Hobbs Nyberg back there than t- more than Tal- Talmadge Gunther. Yeah. Hobbs was back there. He's a little more shifty. He can get going a lot faster, and he makes a decision quick. Talmadge was always like, okay, do I want to run up the left, the right, or the middle? What do I want to do here? Whereas Hobbs is just like... I'm going to run one way, and hopefully my blockers are there. And that, that's the thing. I feel like Hobbs knows that before he even catches the ball. Like, yeah. before it's kicked, he knows where he's going to go. I don't go. even know if he might – while the ball's in the air, I don't know if he's looking down and being like, okay, where are the blockers setting up? Yeah. It's just like, I'm going to start running somewhere. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I, I'd give him a D. I, I, I'm not impressed with the, – the punting has been – Punting has been bad. Has I mean, been horrible. they only punted once, which is surprising to me. Did they only punt once? I think they only punted, or maybe twice. Wow. They, they didn't punt a lot for for the, the way the game felt. When I, you look back at the box score and see they only punted once or twice, I'm like, how is this possible? Right. And then, yeah, Jake, I think Jake's just done mentally, and it's it's sad to see for yeah. for a guy that was such a bright spot at BYU. Hey, maybe he just needs to bring back the green sneakers. I mean, <laughs> those are currently sitting cleats. in a trophy case at his house. Like at his house Go in, grab them. In Texas, see, yeah. Give him a shot. See, see if, if it works. Like, see if you can recapture something. I don't know. Um, all right, all right. Let's, let's go defensive. I, I just want to get these bad grades out of the way. Yeah. What do you got defensively? Uh, C minus. I don't think it was quite bad enough to, I just want to give him a D, mm-hmm. but 
it was. It, I think it's such a downfall from la- the the previous week's performance right. that it, it's just so disappointing. And uh, actually, honestly, I'm gonna give them a D. They missed too many assignments. I'm switching my score. They missed too many assignments. They really made me annoyed watching the game. It'd be one thing if you were making your tackles, but the scheme just wasn't working. You, you, the the players were just playing bad. Yep, it, all around. So yeah, I'm actually giving them a D too. I'm giving a D for disappointment as well. I mean, it's <laughs> it's bad. I mean, it was just all around like you know, it's Bo Nix honestly isn't that great of a quarterback. He's really not. But when you give any quarterback five seconds to sit in the pocket and make his decision, and it's just like, oh, okay, never mind. I'm just going to run real quick. Or, mm-hmm. oh, hey, look, in this is in this zone, which BYU plays all the time, I know that between the two linebackers and the safety's too deep, this guy's going to be wide open every single time. And it's just it's it's frustrating to see the, the, the drop-off from last week. I felt like we had finally – we had finally – got something good cooking mm-hmm. and i don't know if it was Tuyaki. i don't know if it was the players i don't know what happened could be it's both just it's i think they were ill prepared for what they were going to be facing absolutely but i also think that they didn't and, play well and individually. you can't really play like you can't really play like practice against that type of speed when your scout team hey miles davis play every position yeah exactly what i mean you? oregon has offensive linemen that are running sub five forties they're running right. like four sevens four eights right i i remember that it was basically like watching oregon growing up it's like you cannot play for oregon and if you run a 540 yeah that's it's, it's how it is and i think that just plays into the what i kind of mentioned before like i remember when we were previewing oregon they were ranked 25 at the time, but I said like I, I they are better than what their ranking shows. Yeah, in, in well, terms I, of the the overall skill of the team and the athletes and everything, like you're going against a much superior team when it comes to individual just athletes. Yeah, I don't think you know they're not top 10, but they're they're certainly not bottom like you know 21 through 25. I yeah, I think they're they're a nice you know 11 to 17. Somewhere in there, you know, that's that's where I would probably mm-hmm. expect them to end, and probably not dissimilar from from Utah. I think Utah may be a little bit lower, just because I'm I, I'm really not impressed with with Cam Rising, Mister Dark Horse candidate. I mean, I also think Oregon has overall better athletes too. I think they do too, and and you know, I I like Dan Lanning. Uh, I do. I you know, he came in in his press conference, and the first he said it was like, "That was fun, huh?" And that's the type of coach you want in, yeah. in that situation where it's just like, that was fun football. Yeah. And that's how we want to play. Like, yeah. We want to go out there. And he didn't try to embarrass BYU necessarily. It felt like it <laughs> for a little bit there. Well, that's just. But that was just, that was just the way we were playing. Um, but, yeah, I, I think, I think um, yeah. Anyway, back to the original point, a D for the defense. It just, it, yeah. it. To have that that big of a drop off was was really disappointing. Well, for just to go back to what we were saying, like in terms of like the overall skill of the team and skill of the players on the team, I still think that Baylor is probably going to end up unless Arkansas pulls off some miracle in the SEC. Mm-hmm. I still think Baylor is probably going to end up as the best team that BYU played. Right. But I do still think that Oregon, in terms of you're just comparing roster for roster with Baylor. They have the better roster. They have the better athletes. I I, I think that Baylor is just a better run team. See, what's funny is I you know I I don't know that they have the better athletes. They just have 
they just have differently suited athletes, right? Like Oregon has has the athletes to work against BYU's scheme. Yeah. Whereas Baylor, it was basically kind of like a one to one as far as like scheme goes. You know, it's like yeah, our our running backs aren't the fastest, but they're bruisers, mm-hmm. and and so. Well, part of uh, part of the reason I, I did that is why I went through all the recruiting rankings since 2017, uh, and, so, and I'm just going individual athletes. Okay, like I think roster for roster, Oregon is maybe they're higher touted at least. Yeah, in terms of 24/7 sports. Yeah. Okay, and then offensively, you know, I'm gonna give them a B minus. You know, they they'd probably be higher if their their running game could uh, B minus C plus. I'm on that kind of that kind of area there. If their running game could get going, they would be higher. But this is now – I understand Chris Brooks had 100-plus yard, 100 yards at, at USF, but you wore down that team. You you dropped 50 on them, you know, and I, I don't know. I just I'm, – I'm, I'm really disappointed that this vaunted offensive line can't, can't get it done. Mm-hmm. And all it's doing – and it's sad that this is happening. All it's doing is dropping the draft stock of those guys that were looking so high. Yeah. Like the fact that they can't get a push. It's it's really disappointing. I'm hoping I'm hoping it like Wyoming and and uh, Utah State will give them a chance to get a little more confidence and hopefully also help out those running backs. But as it stands right now, I don't have much confidence in our running game and. And I'm all for bringing in Jackson McChesney. Yeah, I, I'd love seeing to see what works. Yeah, I mean try, try especially speed in backs. these next couple games. Yeah, try he, speed back and and you know and everyone's just gonna be like, oh, this is only happening because we're playing Wyoming and playing Utah State, and it's like, look, opening a hole is opening a hole, and yeah. we couldn't do it. Not we even could like, barely get to do it against USF. Yeah, we so. couldn't do it once against Baylor or Oregon, and so what, like I understand it, like if we open up. Like 10, 15 holes against Wyoming, yeah, okay, now I don't have to worry anymore. Mm-hmm. But if we only open up one or two holes, it's like, boo, I'm still a little worried about this. Because yeah. once we get to Arkansas or Notre Dame, I don't see the running game doing anything. And and I, I love Jaron. It's just if we become a one-dimensional team, I don't bet on us. I wouldn't either. Um, anyway, so your grade. The, yeah, my grade, uh, C. I'm just so it, it's it's so sad because like I feel like I'm averaging it out because I'm giving them like probably an A minus to B plus in the passing game in this in this past weekend, mm-hmm. but I'm giving them a D in the running game, so I have to average it out. Right, for sure. It, it's it's just tough because and it, even on the offensive line, if you're just grading the offensive line by itself, it's pretty much middle of the road CC yeah. plus as it is because you got an A in pass pro, you got a D in the run blocking. I, I, so yeah. About a C, I guess. It's it's just yeah. half the performance is fun to watch. Yeah, that makes sense. I would I, agree. I wanted to uh, read this one tweet that I saw after the game. It was from an Oregon fan. Oh, no. And, no, but it was a really funny tweet. Okay. Because <laughs> it, some of them, like I said, some Oregon fans, they, they, they were really good. They were just like playing along with like, we're playing you this week. We're going to poke fun. But not like poke fun at religion or anything like that. Right. But but like after this game, this is one of the guys that, that had been playing into the BYU stuff like throughout the week. He tweeted, "If Oregon and Georgia played again today, it'd be an entirely different game. Oregon has improved their tackling. Offense needed a few weeks, but are flying and on the same page. And the defensive line and linebackers have found their stride. If they played again right now, 
Georgia would only win 45 to 13. <laughs> I, I found that pretty funny. That, that awesome. Even though Oregon, like, yeah, they, they beat BYU. They were the number 12 team. They, they can be big and mighty. Like, some of them realize still, like, we're not that guy. We're, right. we're, well, and what's crazy to me is so many fans there in the stadium, and Colton pointed this out, but they're tired. Like, it, they talk as if they're these blue buds. You know, they're these guys that, like, oh, we've always been good at college football. It's like, no. You You've been guys, good for, like, the past, what, 15 to 20 years? Yeah, it's like, you guys really, like, we have more national championships than you. <laughs> you know? And it's like, come on. Like, don't act like you guys are the cream of the crop. Like, you guys are always top ten. Yeah, somehow you guys always start in the top ten. But when's the last time you finished there? Well, you want to know why, and this is actually proving our next point. But before we go into Wyoming, is I think part of the reason why they will always be ranked in that top ten is because one of the things that we noticed in this game, and at least I noticed, was not only was BYU flat, they didn't play well and everything. I think that just in terms of athletes, this is also a wake up call. Like, I, I as they move into the Big Twelve, they their recruiting needs to get better. They need to get more just flat-out athletes because BYU's had a problem of trying to find guys that you weren't a high-star rating in high school, but you are the same height and weight as the high-star rating guy. So we're going to try to mold you to that. And it's specifically on defense, I noticed as I was looking at the recruiting classes from the past five years, that that's been the case. A lot of the defensive recruits, and granted, some of them work out like Kairos Tonga, he was he was like the lowest rated recruit in his recruiting class, but turned out to be an NFL player. Yep. But that wasn't always the case, and I feel like when you look at Oregon, I know Oregon has litters of those guys just in the reins, and a lot of the top teams in college football do, and even some of the mediocre teams that are going to be in the Big 12 overall will have more at least star rating recruiting more depth than BYU has, at least initially into the Big 12. Yeah. And I and I, just because we played Oregon, I wanted to compare the recruiting classes since 2017. I was looking at a few different things. I was looking at how many five- or four-star recruits you have in that recruiting class, how many players you have without another P5 offer, and what is your average overall rating per recruit on 24-7 sports. So, going back to 2017, Oregon had the number 19 class in the country. BYU had the number 66 class. And Oregon had nine four-star recruits, zero recruits without a P5 uh, offer or another P5 offer, and an average rating per athlete of 87.24. BYU had two four-stars, which was Chaz and uh, who's the guy that got hurt, that hit, ruined his career? He broke his neck. Oh. Um, uh, he went to Bingham, I think. Yeah, Longy. Uh, or not long. Long Tuifua. Yeah. So they had two four stars, 15 guys without a P5 offer, and 11 without another offer. Sounds about right. Um, average of 81.92. 2018, Oregon jumps to t- the number 13 recruiting class in the country. BYU drops to number 78 in the country. Love it. Oregon has 12 four stars. They have two guys without another P5 offer, but I looked specifically. It was a punter and a long snapper from the state of Oregon. So <laughs> okay. that's what we're working with. Average rating of 89.18 per athlete. BYU had one four-star in 2018. That was Gunner. Oh, yep. 15 
players without a, an additional P5 offer and 10 players without another offer besides BYU, an average rating of 81.35. And that's among 20 commits, 22 in 2017. 2019, Oregon is the number eight class. They have one five-star recruit and 14 four-star recruits. Zero without a P5 offer. And I'm just going to... BYU is around, like, what, two five-star athletes and... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Two five-star athletes. I think we only had eight four-stars that year. Oh, that's it? No, no. We only had one four-star. That was Jacob Conover. Um, Uh, Yep. And then 12 players without a P5, seven without another another offer. 2020, I mean, I'm just going to say, Oregon, they have no other players that didn't have another P5 commit. So I'm just going to keep skipping that part. But Oregon had three five-stars in 2020. And seven four stars. Wow, they really dropped off the previous from the previous can't year. Them. Uh, BYU had zero four stars and was the number eighty-two uh, recruiting class in the country. They had twenty players without a P five offer and thirteen without a different offer. Oh, that man. was one. That was the I believe the worst recruiting class since Kalani's taken over, and one of the worst recruiting classes in a while for BYU. Their highest rated recruit was actually Cody Epps, who came in at an eighty-six rating. Um, he was undervalued because of his size. He was undervalued. I'll give him that. But still, overall, the class, huge disappointment for Not 2020. Great. 2021, though, you, you start to see a little bit of a comeback. Oregon, they have only one five-star, which actually was Kingsley Suamataia, who is now on BYU. Um, but they also had 19 four-stars. Uh, <laughs> and then BYU, number 77 class, but they had two four-stars with Raider Damuni and uh, Logan Fano. Okay. And they had nine without P5 offers, five without other offers besides BYU. And then in 2022, Oregon had was a number 13 class, one five-star, 12 four-stars. And BYU had two two four-stars, which was Cody Hagen and uh, what's his name? Ice Moa. Ice, oh, Ice, Isaiah, Ice, Isaiah Moa. Moa. Yeah. But they had 18 players without another P5 offer and 13 players without a different offer besides BYU. Oof. But I will say, in 2023, there's been a little bit of a jump for recruiting. Gotta love so the Big 12. Right now, they're I think they're related to the number 58 or 59 class. Okay. And that's without some future commits that they could get. Mm-hmm. Um, there's six players without a P5 offer, but that's among, I think, 15 commits right now. So it's, okay. it's a lower ratio than most years. And there's only two players that don't have a different offer. One of them is Ryder Burton, and another one, his name is Andrew Heinig. He's a defensive lineman from Oklahoma. I got to talk to him when he committed, but he he's like went to a prep school and like was not really known about. But, I mean, 24-7 sports gave him an 84 rating, like initially, without a different offer. So I'm like, okay, that's better than, that's better than a lot of like the no-offer people right. that BYU normally gets. Well, um, speaking of which, how did, your, uh, did you ever get the chance to talk to Ethan Thomason? Not yet. Okay. He, he told me that – so I, I asked the questions in his DMs, and he's like, I'm sorry I haven't gotten back to you yet. I'm going to answer these questions for you. It's just been a busy weekend because, like, obviously I oh, knew wow. he was going to be busy with all the recruitment stuff, like yeah. he committed and everything. But then it was also, like, homecoming weekend for him and stuff. So I'm like, oh, gotcha. all right. I was like, I was like dude, I just appreciate – I appreciate right. the open communication and the yeah. fact that you're even giving me the time of day. Like, I get it. You, you take your time. You're like, I'm just some like, some random writer for Vanquish the Foe. <laughs> exactly. Like, <laughs> like you, you don't even have to answer these questions. It's no big – you will not hurt my feelings. Right. So – but the fact that you are, I mean, take your time. It is fine. Uh, sure. I, just, I just appreciate the communication. But, yeah, I mean, that's – and the whole point of me talking about this is, like, I think that when you see games like Baylor – or not Baylor. 
I mean, I'm sure there's a lot of you, you get a bump from Baylor too. But games like Oregon, when you look at just like the speed and the individual athletes, that comes from recruiting. And that yep. and I get or like BYU will never recruit like Oregon. That that, that will never happen. That's impossible. But I do think there's there can be vast improvements. Oh, we can to recruiting. The the, yeah, you you might not get a top twenty recruiting ranking, but I think Utah routinely gets somewhere between the top thirty to forty five recruiting class yearly. I see no reason why BYU can't be close to competing with Utah in that range. Sure. I, I, I think that, and I think that this year, 2023, you've definitely seen a bump, and especially just maybe not even the people that are committing, but just the flat-out interest in BYU. Like Jackson Bowers, normally, if BYU wasn't going to the Big 12, he would have never given them the time of day. Right. Walker Lyons would never give them the time of day. Among other athletes, Ethan Thomason, he might not even come. He might be a little different because he was a BYU fan and everything like that. But like, there's certain athletes that have been interested in BYU this year that could not have even have interest without the Big Twelve. Well, it's, and those, I, it's those out-of-state kids, right? I mean, yeah, BYU is always going to have a chance with the with the bigger in-state kids. Right. They will just just by virtue of being in Utah, being close to family, all that. But it's those out-of-state kids like Jackson Bowers, like Ethan Thomason that that BYU has has a little more of an edge now because it's like hey we're gonna be in the big 12 like you're gonna get more attention yeah we're gonna be playing in texas we're gonna be playing uh in in oklahoma we're playing in all these different places now and you're gonna you're gonna get a little more exposure here yeah and And you look at what utah's done over over 12 years of being in the pac-12 they struggled the first few years but mm -hmm. once their recruiting started picking up and realizing oh let's get some momentum in the pac-12 and then now that like you know being the pac-12 champions last year it's, you can't deny that being in the Pac-12 hasn't helped them, or has helped. How do I say that? You can't deny that it hasn't helped them. Yeah, you can't deny it hasn't helped them. Like it, it is, it has helped them tremendously for sure. And if BYU can have the same, you know, two to five years of just nice, steady improvement, it, I'm, I'm excited to see what what kind of team we can put out there, and you know. In my opinion, there's a couple coaches that might need to move around in order for that to happen. But right, but I, I mean, I think that BYU even has a head start of where Utah started out in the Pac-12 sure. because they were coming directly from the Mountain West. You're not going to get the same recruiting. Yeah. At least BYU has the the advantage of they were independent. They got to schedule who they wanted. They've they've scheduled big games that have attracted some of these recruits. And I feel like the past couple years, and especially like last year's recruiting class, you saw it jump from like 77 to. 59 nationally and then in the recruiting rankings I, I feel like you're getting the luxury of like already being like a little bit of head in terms of getting some of these guys and i think you're starting to see that in the 2023 class but yeah ultimately that that's just something i noticed in the game is like you're just going to get outclassed by the the caliber of athletes that you're going against as well in some of these games and i feel like that was a case in oregon sure the scheme didn't work and the players played bad but like oregon just flat out has more dogs than you do and, and, and that's just going to be the case. I'm, again, not saying you have to be Oregon, but moving into the Big 12, I feel like you're going to want to get that Big 12 pump. And I think that they have already, and I think it will probably continue with the rest of this year. I mean, there's, there's a chance that they're going to get Spencer Fano. I would be shocked if they didn't get Spencer Fano. There's a chance that they're going to get Smith Snowden, who I'm pretty sure he's up to – he's been targeted eight times and has five interceptions. He had one on Friday. <laughs> I, I, I don't know why kids continue to throw towards his side of the field, but even even 
current commits, Ethan Thomason, there's a chance that he could flip to a four-star after this year in terms of ranking. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that they're heading in the right well, direction. committed to BYU. He's an eternal three-star. Everyone, right. everyone knows that. True, true. Um, but, hey, I mean, potential flip for uh, Walker Lyons if Stanford does does bad enough. Yeah. Um, I, listen, that, that's another reason we root against Stanford. If I'm not going to complain if we if we can't get Walker. But then there's another couple other guys that, like, Malachi Riley, who's a wide receiver. C.J. Jacobson, who's a tight end. And Isaiah Kima, who's a uh, he's an interior offensive lineman from Texas. Like, these are high three-star recruits that I think that BYU has a chance of getting. Hey, don't forget about Cormani McLean, man. <laughs> Cormani McLean, the number three recruit in the nation. Yeah, number one cornerback, number one out hey, of Florida. He, he hasn't put out a top five since he put out that one that BYU's in. Oh, I so, know. It, we're technically in the top it makes five you, still. It makes you think. We're still Ma- technically high choice. It <laughs> makes you think. But, yeah, I, that's, yeah, I just think that recruiting needs to be a big part of the team just getting better moving forward. Because like, you listen to me list off how many guys, like five and four-star guys Oregon had. Oh, yeah. Like, Obviously, BYU is never going to get that sort of depth, but the more four and four star—I'm not even going to mention a five-star guy because yeah. the odds of BYU getting those—it's like that kid has to be LDS. He's got to be from Utah. Like, there's, <laughs> yeah, no, there's, and there's even then, they might not pick BYU. It. Right. <laughs> um, but I think that the depth, just going into this Power Five conference, because we're going to get games like this every week, moving into the Big Twelve. That that's that's the big problem. Is BYU starters is always been good. The depth's been the issue. Yeah. So I think moving forward, that, that's got to be addressed. And one thing that, before I move on from this recruiting tangent, that drove me nuts. I'm pretty sure it was Kalani I, that said it. I can it. tell. I can tell this is driven you nuts. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's Kalani that said it was that they're not going to go chasing stars. While I, so it wasn't Kalani that said that. that it was, wasn't? That was Preston Hadley. Okay. That makes it even worse. Shut up. Don't say that. You're going to a Power 5 conference. And that actually makes it even more sense that it was Preston Hadley that says that because he recruits on the – well, he also recruits on the defensive side of the ball. And a lot of the projects, like I was saying, that they get the the certain size and the certain weight that they're going to mold this player into a type of player that they're going to get has always been on the defensive side of the ball. And I'm pretty – at least I'm pretty sure it was Preston Hadley because the thing is that was Bronco's recruiting style. You know, we're not going to go after the big star. And you see how many projects Bronco had. Yeah, but Bronco could develop and, them. I was going to say, they worked out really well a for A lot him. of them he to develop. But I move, Bronco also wasn't in a Power 5 conference. I'll say that too. Right. He wasn't in the Big 12. And moving into the Big 12, you're not going to be able to rely on that many projects. Right. Because the amount of them that actually work out is probably less than 50%, I would probably guess. Mm-hmm. And I think that you need to chase stars. Maybe you don't just want to rely on, like, if we can't get this guy, like, that's it. But you better be going after the best athletes that you can. Because... Go after the... Like, yeah, don't go after Arch Manning. That's never going to happen. I can tell you right now, that's never going to happen. But if there's, there's, you know, someone like... uh, What's the name of the guy for Sky Ridge? Uh, Akana? Tassili Akana. Tassili Akana. Why not? Why like I understand he's he's looking at Oklahoma and stuff like that, but it's like push harder for that guy. Like he's an in-state guy. All those in-state guys, you have no reason why you can't recruit for higher stars in the West. And that's why you better be pushing for Isaac Wilson. And I know they are. Oh yeah, like oh, I'm sure they are. I, I know they're they're probably pushing as hard as any school in the country will be. Mm-hmm. But like 
that's an in-state guy. All three of his brothers played at the program. Well, two of them are still playing. Two, like, two of them are still right now. still there. One of them is like, at the Jets. Yeah, and I do not want to hear like, uh, I mean, we didn't we didn't push hard enough. But I mean, there's this three star guy with an 83 rating that we're gonna get because we like him and we think we can mold him to the to our seat. Like, no, you need to start pushing. For these higher star guys, well, and right. I'm, well, you look I'm at, happy that they have so yeah, far. When you, and you look at like, you know, it'd be really frustrating if we're relying on Ryder Burton to be our quarterback when Isaac Wilson is right there. He has BYU ties. All his brothers are at BYU. You know, and it's it's just like, wait, hold on. What? <laughs> I like I like Ryder a lot. Mm-hmm. I've seen him play. Uh, he's got a great arm. Pretty ball. Yeah, it's a pretty well coming out of his hands. He just doesn't really have receivers to help him out. But, like, Isaac is, if you want to talk about Zach Wilson 2.0, he might be that, he, that guy. We saw him play Bingham, and he his looks, mannerisms and he everything. He looks just like Zach out there. Exactly like And him. it's one of those things. It's it's just raw talent in there. It's just like, let's just mold him. And Roderick, being, Roderick and Fessy being the guys they are, as long as we have them, I think we have a strong shot at him. But we also have to continue to recruit him. We can't just be like, "All right, here's your offer." I mean, Zach Wilson, he was he was heading to Boise State. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until Grimes was just like, "Let's take a look at this guy real right. quick." And had Zach, you know, if the if the roles were reversed, Zach would have been the four star quarterback out of high school because, like you said, they look they look pretty well identical. It's just now that Zach's in the NFL. Isaac's garnering a lot more attention. Right. Right. So, and, and, and I'm totally with you. I, you know, this is a recruiting tangent. Um, yeah, I, I would agree. Like, just like go after those guys. What's wrong with throwing your hat in the ring? Here's the thing. You really think Alabama's going to say, no, we're good. We don't need another four-star guy. Right. The reason that those teams are so good, and I know BYU would never be on that level. No. But the reason that the teams like that are so good is that their fourth and fifth string guy are the four star guys still? Yeah, they're still four stars. They they are still the best players in the country. Yeah. And sure, you're not going to get all of them, but at least try. Yeah, that absolutely. That, it, it will drive me nuts if they don't. Yep. Yeah, oh, absolutely. I'm with you. Sorry, that was a big recruiting rank. It's it, it, a big tangent. It's oh, a big tangent right. about recruiting, but just, I mean, it was clear to me watching Oregon that. Just in terms of athlete to athlete, they just didn't match up well. Nope. And, and you know, and going back to Oregon, just just for one more thing. Actually, two more things. I have something that I want to you say. You have something. Too. Okay. Yeah. Uh, it might tie into this. This doesn't have anything to do with recruiting, really. If yours is about recruiting, you should. Mine isn't. On. Okay. One thing that I cannot stand. Kalani needs to put his his coordinators on the freaking mic. He needs to trot those guys. Like you look at Robert and I. Right, yeah. If we won a big game, he was never out there. He he never wanted to talk to him. But if we lost a game, and if it was his fault, like I think of like 2008 BYU Utah, Harvey was gaining like seven yards a carry, but we just kept throwing the ball. And it's like, hold on, they're giving us seven yards. Why are we not doing this? And and you know, and the night gets out there, he's just like, yeah, no, that's that's what they were giving us. But we know to beat these guys, we have to throw the ball. And it's like, okay. But why are you doing? But not this? when you don't. Anyway, <laughs> right. But so to that point, like Anai was out there at a loss. He was facing questions. 
I don't remember the last time I saw Tuiaki after a game face face reporters. I don't think he ever has. Kalani's normally the only guy that goes out there. And Kalani has the same song and dance every single time. I know what's wrong. I know what's wrong, and I got to get this fixed. I know what's wrong, and we're going to fix this. And I am sick of it. Yeah. And it's so funny. I mean, honestly, the players answer more than the coordinators do. Yeah, because we'll, we pulled into that Nike LS store, and my dad was just like, because we had the we had the post game show going, and my dad was just like, you know, what, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna, like, I'm gonna stay here and and finish the rest of his thoughts because it was when Greg and Riley were talking to Kalani directly. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't need to, and so I got out. I walked into the store, like me and Colton just walked into the store, and sure enough, you know, they come walk like Devin and my dad come walking in a little bit later. I'm like, let me guess, uh, he knows what's wrong, um, he knows how to fix it. And and they're gonna they're gonna work at it. And they were embarrassed about this. And and sure enough, my dad was like, "Yeah, no, that's exactly what he said." He was like, "That's why I don't have to listen to this because it's the same song and dance every time." Why aren't you putting Tuiaki out there? Why can't you say, "Hey, Elisa, you go out there and explain why your defense sucked." Mm-hmm. You know, in in nicer terms than that. But right. But it's just one of those things where it's like you can't keep protecting these guys. You can't. I understand the buck stops with the with the head coach, but put Lamb out there and be like, "Hey, what are your thoughts on why Jake Oldroyd is struggling so much? What's going on?" I mean, even A Rod, why can't you run the ball? Yeah, talk to A Rod. He's the running game coordinator, and just be like, "In your opinion, what's going on? Why can't you figure this out?" It's it's one of those things where it's like just. Like we'd love to, uh, we'd just love a little more transparency, and that's something that BYU has struggled with since Kalani took over. Is transparency? I am so sick of, oh, on on Monday and Tuesday, Puka Nakua is for sure playing. You know, it was just a sprain, uh-huh. not a big deal. We get to Friday, and it's just like, eh, he's got game time decision. Even the day before, he, he he's jogging off the plane without right. a boot, right? And then he gets <laughs> he gets into Otson, and he's got a boot on. And it's like, well, I'm guessing he's not playing. Yeah. And it's 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 just it's so frustrating to me. It's like just be transparent on this. He reminds me of a hockey coach. Like hockey coaches, I know you're a newer hockey fan, but I've watched hockey my whole life. Yeah. Hockey coaches are about as like really they avoid answering any questions about any injuries or any anything ever. They're yeah. just so basically try to hide everything. And that's just how all of them are. It's like a hockey culture thing. Well, which has been interesting with, with Vegas, right? Because when, because Jack Eichel, you know, coming over to Vegas, and this is a weird tangent going into hockey on a, on this, <laughs> on this podcast. But at Buffalo, you know, they just talked about like, oh yeah, he's got this neck thing. It's just kind of bugging him. We're hoping it kind of goes away. Yeah. It wasn't until Vegas traded for him. It's just like, yeah, no, he's going into the surgery he's been asking for for a year now. So he's, he'll he'll be back. Like he's just going into surgery now. And it was like, hold on, Vegas, don't don't you understand? You're not supposed to tell people what's going on. Like, yeah, what's wrong with you? Yeah, well, it's it's like so, so, even with like the Penguins, like it'll be, they'll be like, he's uh he's been held up for an upper body injury. And it's like. We saw what happened. We know he has a concussion. Just say it. Like, <laughs> yeah, it's like we saw We saw his eyes were not looking straight. <laughs> like, we, we, we understand it. But, yeah, they basic, basically, uh, Kalani Sataki's a hockey coach. Yeah, he he would do really I, well in the NHL. I would, I, would just, I would just love a little more transparency on everything. 
Yeah. And and like I said, put your guys out there. Put your coordinators out there to answer some questions, to field some questions. Coordinator's corner is, in my opinion, it is set up. It is with Greg Rubel. Oh, it is. It and it's is just literally like, okay, just so. Uh, how do you feel Jaron Hall's playing? Well, it's like, well, Jaron's playing great. Pretty softball question Do you really think here. that Greg is going to ask anything to make BYU guys look bad? No. Right. You need the media members that don't care if the BYU guys look bad. Right. Yeah. Okay. That was my tangent. I'm just, I just wanted to get that out there. Yeah. What was yours? Mine isn't quick? a tangent. Mine is a question and question. also a statement. Okay. Do you remember the the long ball to set up the seventeen to ten touchdown that Bonex threw to Troy Franklin and he was down at like the yeah. two or three yard line? Yeah, I remember because that was I an, think you texted me and that said was at an least he's incomplete on my... pass. Oh really? I swear if you watch the replay of that, that ball moved. And you cannot convince me otherwise. <laughs> that ball hit the ground. It's just Oregon got up to the line so fast and got the playoff that they didn't review it. But I swear, if you watch a replay of that, that is an incomplete pass when you watch it and you see it slowed down. That ball shifted as soon as he hits the ground. It says Troy Franklin, remarkable grab sets of Oregon touchdown, right? Yeah. I yeah, tell you what, that I'm one. gonna I'm gonna look at it right now. That's gonna, the, and that's the thing. He, first, he, he, he is he is on my fantasy team. So at the end of the day, whatever. Yeah, you're he like, yeah, got me, that's not got bad. Me at least he's on there. <laughs> and, and I have Oregon's defense. So you know, whatever. <laughs> it is what it is. That's but good. but I'm telling you that if you look at that, if that ball was reviewed, I understand it might have been called stands. But to me, that is an incomplete pass. I'm looking at that ball and I'm seeing that thing touch the ground. I see it He's move. Got it in his hands. Do you see what I'm looking at? Uh, ooh, I do. I mean, maybe I'm just looking too frame by the frame. The hard part is, is that like, it's when he hits the when it hits the ground, it like settles into his arm, and so they're not gonna stop the game for it. And Kalani, like, he's not one. He's not a guy to throw a bunch of challenges out there. Right. And if they get up to the ball fast enough, it's just like, well. We lost our opportunity. I think it probably is a stands is called, but yeah, that's the thing. It's probably a stands, but in my heart, that is an incomplete pass. <laughs> in your heart, yeah. that's that's my tangent. All right, now we can move on to Wyoming. Finally, okay. this Wyoming game, um, you know, I I I never thought I'd be worried about it, but I can tell you right now, if BYU can't run the ball, it's going to be a closer game than people think. Yeah. Um, Wyoming's not great. Peasley threw for, it was like 108 yards or something like that last week. And they beat Air Force, which was a shock to me. But the problem with, the problem with Air Force and the triple option and well, Air Force, Army, Navy, whoever runs it, I don't think Georgia Tech runs it anymore, but just cause they got a new coach. Yeah. Um, but the problem with the triple option is that if you get down, it's hard to come back mm-hmm. because you choose so much clock when you have the ball. Right, and you're not advancing it super fast. Uh, that being said, Air Force's two touchdowns, both throwing touchdowns, not a single rushing touchdown. Hey, like I said to you, part of the triple option, one of those options it, is a pass. It is a pass. <laughs> um, but so with that, with that triple option look, I mean, it's just it's it's one of those things that like I, I wonder if if Wyoming was just able to get up on them. Uh, that being said. Air Force was it last week? They scored like forty plus points, like, mm-hmm. and 
I, I'm not reading too much into it. It was in Laramie, uh, just because they're. I think their running back ran for over a hundred yards. So if we can stop him, I don't think Andrew Peasley's going to be the guy to beat BYU with his arm. I mean, this is the former backup quarterback at Utah State, you know, and I don't know. I just I. I I will say, if we can't run the ball, it's going to be a closer game. I, I do think BYU still comes out with a win, personally. But I, having three weeks of just not super impressed. Like, I don't – like, USF, yeah, you, the second half we ran the ball, but they were tired. Mm-hmm. It's the first half running that needs to get figured out. Yeah, so – as of right now, according to the ESPN Football Power Index, BYU is a 92.4% chance to win. Ooh. Which, I mean, rightfully so. I, mean, sure. I think they should be. Um, in four games, offensively for Wyoming, it's been pretty Oh, did they play balanced. Week Zero? Yeah, they played Week Zero. Gotcha. Yeah, they played Illinois in Week Zero. Oh, okay. Um, it's been pretty balanced so far in terms of like running to passing. So they're averaging 37.5 rushing attempts per game for 163.5 yards per game. And they're averaging 25.8 passing attempts per game for 148 yards. So it's it's like not like one or the other is overpowering. Mm-hmm. They're just pretty balanced offensively. Hmm. And maybe that's probably just because they're not overly great at one or the other either. Um, because, I mean, like you said, Andrew Peasley, Utah State transfer, He's got a 60.2% completion percentage, 592 yards, three touchdowns, two interceptions. Nothing to write home about, but you could do worse. Yeah. Um, he also has 26 rushes for 145 yards, so he can move a little bit, I guess, escape when he needs to. But as far as running back goes, they lost their leading rusher last year to a transfer to Arizona State. Um, oh, the transfer, the transfer portal was brutal. To Wyoming it last was. year. Oh, my heavens. <laughs> it was. And we'll, when, we'll get to a couple other of those. Well, when the freaking head coach is in today's world with the transfer portal, <laughs> it's really tough. Uh, if anyone wants to come to Wyoming, come on over. We'll have you. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, they lost their leading rusher last year, but Titus Swen, who's another one of their rushers, I think he ran it for 700-something yards last year. He's got 316 this year and four touchdowns. He's got their only rushing touchdowns. Um, and then – DeWayan McNeely is another. They, those are their main two backs, those two. Uh, Titus Swen and DeWayan McNeely. As far as receiver goes, they lost their leading receiver to Texas. Right. Um, and then they've got, at least through the first four games, it seems like they've got three to four guys that they distribute the ball to pretty regularly. But And then I think their O-line, they didn't really lose anybody um, as far as starters go. And so, with the BYU scheme, they're not going to really get much of a pass rush, I don't think. At least, like, BYU defensively. But I, I don't really think that BYU or Wyoming's offense is something to really worry about too much, at, le- at least in terms of, like, putting up some points. I think they're, they're balanced in terms of how, how much they pass, how much they run. But there's really nothing that they're, like, overly good at. Yeah. Um. It's just not really that impressive. So as far as defensively goes for BYU, I still think that this should be, hopefully, hopefully they learn how to tackle and, and wrap up and bring guys to the ground and everything this week. But hopefully it should be like a pretty solid performance. There's You're going to have better athletes, I feel like. You're the more experienced team. Um, but defensively, though, for Wyoming, they're allowing 353.8 yards per game. Um, 
126.8 rushing and 227.5 passing. So they're they're not allowing too much rushing per game for team, um, which is a little bit of a concern looking at it for how much we've uh, been harping on the run this week. Um, so I'm hoping that BYU can at least take a step forward in their run game. I'm not asking you to run for like Taysom and Jamal numbers. That's not, that's no. not, not what we're hoping for. Can we at least get for. a combined 100 yards? Yeah. I, I'm looking for, and not even just like an individual effort. Like I'm looking just overall have a solid running performance, mm-hmm. and especially on the offensive line. Yeah. If your running backs are doing poorly, then it, but your line is still getting a push, that's on the running backs. I want to see the offensive line actually be able to open up some holes, make, make sure that they're dominating the line of scrimmage as they should be. I, I'm pretty sure there's only one guy that is like a what I would consider a really good defensive lineman on Wyoming. It's their nose tackle. And as far as that goes, besides him, I don't think that there's really much home to write home about as far as the defensive line. I know they lost one of them to USC in the transfer portal. Just another one of those painful. uh, Decimated. Yeah. So I think that this is the week that you should really figure out what you are running the football, or at least trying to figure out those blocking teams running, trying to clean it up a little bit, open up the lanes. Like we said, we're not asking for like Chris Brooks to run for 200-plus yards. I'm asking for just a solid performance from all those involved. And I think that if you get that, that that would allow you to get guys like Miles Davis, like Jackson McChesney into the game more and and see what they can do in, in games. Because as of right now, I mean, for for the run blocking you're getting, they wouldn't really have done much. I'm hoping right. that that changes this week and you're able to see more in terms of run blocking. Pass blocking, again, not worried about it. I, I know that the, the, like that nose tackle, he can do pretty good in, in the pass rush, but pass blocking for BYU has been so good that it shouldn't matter. The run blocking, this should be a week where you're not playing a power five opponent, you're not playing a top whatever unit in terms of the defense. You should be able to try to figure it out. Um, no, I'm I'm with you. I mean, it's yeah. just it's this is this has got to be a bounce back game. This has got to be a bounce back game. And if you like you're saying, if you can't rush against these guys, it, we're in for a long season as far as the rushing goes. And when you come up against teams like Notre Dame, like Arkansas, even possibly Stanford, and you have to d- depend on Jaron's arm, I think Jaron can do it. It's just when you start being able to defend specifically for the pass, it's just going to get so much harder for BYU. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I'd love to see. I mean, I'll take a combined 100 yards, honestly. <laughs> yeah. And I'd like that without. Higher, higher than two, two point something yards per carry. Yeah, I'd, and I'd like that without Jaron, right? Like, take that without any scrambling. I'd love to see Chris, Book, Chris Brooks, Lopini, Miles Davis, McChesney, whoever it is running the ball. I want to see their total number at 100 yards. In this game, Jaron shouldn't need to scramble. Right. Or at least, hopefully, he shouldn't need to scramble. Well, I mean, but there's there's also times when just the secondaries is is plugging up the the, uh, the wide receivers, and so That's they'll just take thing. off, you know? <laughs> speaking, oh, they lose speak, their secondary speak, Speaking of the secondary, both of their starting safeties last year graduated, Ooh. and their starting cornerbacks transferred. Um, so they're in another Baylor situation for their their entire secondary from last year is gone. Pretty much gone. So so their corners transferred to Oklahoma and UCLA. Must be pretty good. And then the, the yeah, like I said, the two safeties that were their starters 
they graduated, so they're not playing again this year. And also, they lost Chad Muma to the NFL, who, in my opinion, was one of the top middle linebackers in the draft last year. I would have had him as probably my linebacker three in the entire draft. Wow. Um, so that that's also another thing that the Wyoming defense is going to have to make up for. Um, it's a lot of mis or a lot of tackles to make up for. But to me, this game, if you are in a sweat this game, like you you you're a little bit nervous during this game. That means BYU is doing something wrong. Yeah, I don't think it means that Wyoming is doing something right. Because even if Wyoming is doing everything right, you should still be that much of a better team to beat them without it even being a worry. Yeah, I fully believe that we're going to be able to see what type of game this is by the end of the first quarter. You know what yeah. I mean? Like if we'll be able to see what BYU team shows up, what offensive line shows up, what defense shows up, all within that first quarter. Mm. And and if this game goes how we thought it was going to go at the beginning of the season, I you know I I see no reason as to why this this wouldn't be a blowout. You know by the second quarter you're done. Hopefully Conover can get in. But if BYU continues to struggle mightily in the run game, and we have to depend on the passing game, I'm not worried about beating these guys throwing the ball. I'm worried about beating guys later on in the season, mm-hmm. throwing the ball constantly. Right. So, yeah, I, 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 you know, it is another eight fifteen kick that definitely plays into BYU's favor. Not that Wyoming isn't used to playing at that time, but BYU, BYU guys can get in there in their uh, routine. Going back to Oregon. Sorry, I <laughs> just got a lot to say about that game. I cannot believe when those guys left to come to the game. Friday night. Friday night is when they got uh, on the plane you're talking to about go the to players. Oregon. Yeah. At first, I'm like, who? Yeah, no, the players. My like, other cousins? The like, team. <laughs> the team. Yeah. Friday night is when they decided to go. And in my mind, I, I err more towards, well, why wouldn't you go like a day earlier? Instead of a day later, go a day earlier. Get there Wednesday night, Thursday you have a full practice, and then Friday I'm treating that as we're going to do a walkthrough, but we're acting as if it is the game. I want you to be, I want you to wake up at the time that you're going to wake up for the game. I want you to run through your whole routine like it is the game, and that way we can see how you're feeling on Friday. And then that way Saturday, it's just like, hey, you're just going to go do that again. Mm-hmm. adjust what you need to if you need to wake up a little bit later if you need to wake up a little bit earlier whatever right and and it's just you know because i get the excuse that like the players don't feel as good because they can't get through the whole game day routine but you're not expected to be playing at eight o'clock at night every single game like you've got to figure that out yeah and so like i said this does play into BYU's favor with it being a night game but you gotta like that shouldn't be an excuse, quite honestly. No, it shouldn't. Um, I mean, last thing for me, just I'm looking at. So this is going to be the best the best team that Wyoming should play all season long. Nice. Um, Illinois not, is probably did they not play Boise. Oh, they play- <laughs> all right. <laughs> so uh, they played Illinois in Week Zero. Illinois is a Power Five team. Granted, they're a bad Power Five team, but they are still a Power Five team in the yep. Big Ten. And I'm looking at the box score of that game, 
And Illinois was able to run for 260 yards in the game. Now, I don't know how good Illinois' running back is. He might be really good. But I know Illinois' offensive line is not as good as BYU's. Right. So, looking at that box score, you should be able to get something going in the running game. And if you don't, I'm going to be disappointed. Mm -hmm. No, 100%. And uh, All right, let's get some score predictions in here. I okay. I am hoping for a like a forty-five. Oh, I don't like going up by three anymore. Hold is, on. Is this a hope or is this what you think? Yeah, no. Um, I do think that BYU is able to have somewhat of a bounce back game because the thing is, in this type of game, if it is the passing game only, I think we're still going to be able to put up good points. Mm-hmm. Um, we're just all going to f- walk away feeling kind of weird, even though it'll be like a... So I, let me get my prediction out. I, I was going to say 45. I don't know that I'm going to because that means there's a field goal involved. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> Are we going to kick a I field think, goal in this game? I, I think this is going to be more like 42, 42 to 7 is what I'm going to say. Um, 42-14. Okay. Um, I think Wyoming starts rushing the ball pretty well late in the game. Yeah. Um, but I do think that offensively we'll have enough firepower uh, with Jaron's arm and our receiver and our receiving core. What I would love to see is, you know, everyone's talking his gunner going to be good to go this week. Um, I know at the latest it'll be Notre Dame. They've come out and said that. I would love, like, me personally, if Puka's not good for this game, rest him. Mm-hmm. Like, even if he's 95%, rest him. Get him to the full 100. Maybe let him play against Utah State, but you need him healthy for Notre Dame. Gunner is a different case. He didn't play in that first game. I want to see him either this week or next week. I just, I just want to see him get some get some reps, get some game legs. Get hit. Yeah, I mean, get hit a couple times. You know, there's there's just stuff like that. Uh, but I'm, I think I'm going to go with 42-14. Um, I think Wyoming figures out the the rushing game late on the Cougars. But at that point, I think I think Jaron will have put the the would have slid the dagger in. So 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 I was thinking of a similar score to what you were about to say earlier. Uh-huh. I was going to say 45 for yeah. our offense, and I do think that they're they're going to kick a field goal. Are they going to make it, though? Well, I mean, I don't know how else, how else they're getting to 45. But, but three, three two-point conversions. But what I'm debating on is, like, do I say that Jake's going to miss one and then Justin Smith is going to be the one Ooh. to make the field goal? That's a good question. I don't want to say that because I don't want it to happen. Right. That's the thing. It's you like, want Jake to have that I confidence. want Jake to make every single field goal. But yeah. uh, do I think it's going to happen, though? That's different. Right. I'm not going to say who's going to make the field goal, but they're going to make a field goal. Okay. In this game, and I'm going to say that they the score is going to be 45 to 13. I, I think that the defense holds them off enough to force two field goals. Ben, ben don't okay. break, and they're going to force a couple field goals. But cool. I, I don't I don't think that the Wyoming offense is going to be anything special. Like I said, it, it's pretty. I don't want to say it's like bad. It's just very average. There's nothing that they're really good at. They're not good at throwing the ball or running the ball comparatively. And I just think that the B- BYU, and I'm hoping what happens is BYU is going to come out and they're just going to be ticked. 
Yeah. And, and based off of last week's performance, and I think that BYU defense specifically is going to be ticked and come out flying. Yeah, they should. This should almost be like an apology letter to the fans with the way they play. Yeah, know, and they're going to have to like, write an apology to Wyoming after for sorry we beat the hell out of you. <laughs> sorry, that, sorry that you guys were the ha- were the ones that happened to come yeah. after after right. what happened. So. Right. So that's what I'm hoping for. Forty-five to thirteen. That's my final score. Okay, forty-five thirteen and forty-two fourteen. Let's, you know, um, it should be a fun night. It's a eight fifteen kick. I was a little bummed because. I like the eight. I don't mind the eight fifteen. It's a great at the Beginning of the season, it's a great atmosphere. But man, you get home so late. Hopefully, not as late as a Baylor game. Hey, I wouldn't. You know, but, I, I wouldn't mind being able to leave this game early for the opposite reason of Oregon. If we're up enough, <laughs> right. That it's just like, okay, I don't need to stick around. It's been cool. It's been fun. See you guys. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So. No. Totally. Totally. I I hear that completely. Um, but looking forward to this weekend, another weekend in college football, some good games in there. Um, especially in some, some opponents that we're playing, like our Arkansas is playing Texas A&M looking forward to seeing how that, that mm-hmm. game plays out. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to Saturday and seeing how they can bounce back. And I'm, I'm not really so, as much worried about the offense. I want to see how the defense responds, except, yep. except for running the ball offense, figure, run the ball. figure your crap out. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, Thanks for sticking around for another episode of Sports Weeksly, and we'll catch you next week. See ya.